Hello, I'm Jay Goodwin, and you're listening to Pay It Forward. Today on Pay It Forward, we have Zeldrick Martin. So Zeldrick has worked with several agencies. He's done freelance and consulting work and marketing, um, but specifically focusing on digital marketing and media. Uh, some of the list items on Zeldrick's resume include, you know, owning his own business where he uses his marketing expertise with clients, managing and overseeing sports marketing for a university, and working in the marketing department of an NBA team. So Zeldrick, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So uh, to, to get things started, just like a little bit about you. So where are you from? Originally from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So Roll Tide, of course. Um, <laughs> Grew up there and then kind of moved all over um, after that so far. Yeah. So how did you end up in Atlanta? I know it's not that far, you know, traveling from Tuscaloosa, Alabama to Atlanta, but how'd you end up in Atlanta? Right. So while I was in co- or right after college um, in Michigan, I got an internship um, in Atlanta for the NBA team, the Hawks down there. Um, and so after that, I got a full-time job back up in the Midwest, and, but I really liked Atlanta. So after a couple of years of living up there, I decided to move back down um, to Atlanta. Um, like you said, it's not far from my hometown, so my family's there. Um, and so one thing led to another, and then I was at Nebo. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, flashing back to, you know, when you were making your decision on where to go to school and that kind of thing, um, you know, what... What did you think you were going to end up doing, you know, before you went to school? Like, what was Zeldrick's, uh, preschool Zeldrick's idea of, you know, where you would be now? Sure. Um, before I got to college, I mean, I liked business, but I had studied, started getting interested in, like, things like psychology. Hmm. Um, and so I was going to go down that route with a psychology, religion, um, kind of theological routes. Um and so, obviously, what I'm doing right now is very different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was kind of like the psychology, um, cognitive behavior, uh, religion route that I was going to go down first. Okay. And so, I mean, it was that something that, I mean, did you major in that in, in school? Or was it, like, just really uh, more of an interest and you kind of switched what you were studying as you went along? How did sure. you resolve that with business, I guess, is what I'm asking. Um, so I, I studied that the first year and then realized and talked to some of my professors that it was better for me to go with what I'm interested in versus what I feel like I should do. Um, just because it, there comes a point where if you don't have the passion for it, you're not going to really put in your, your all. Um, and I did have a passion for business, but just couldn't figure out how to combine um, the psychological part to the business part. Um, but then one of my professors told me, hey, marketing is kind of the perfect storm of those kind of things. So um after that i took some classes and you know the rest is history yeah i mean fair enough i think um i actually had a similar sort of reckoning <laughs> in undergrad i was pre-med for the longest time uh, my dad yeah. is a nurse practitioner and i had this idea that you know i'm gonna be a doctor and we can work together and all that kind of stuff and then i ran into chemistry and i was like oh maybe maybe i don't maybe this isn't my calling after all <laughs> so kind of kind of switched uh what i was doing Okay, so you're at Starcom now, I believe. Um, yes. Briefly, kind of give me an overview of, you know, what is Starcom? Um, what do they do? Um, and what do you do there? Sure. So Starcom is part of the Publicis um, group. Um, and I, I think you're familiar with Publicis. Um, they're a pretty big uh, media company in the world. Um, and so Starcom is a branch 
that's located in New York, um, Chicago, and Detroit now. Um, and they um, have several different clients and several different verticals. And what I do is for their farmer, the pharmaceutical branch. Um, and so we have a client um, called Novartis and they have a lot of brands that we service for them. So I manage five or six brands um, and I manage a team of four or five, depending on the time frame, um, to basically manage those brands all collectively. Um, so I have one um, subject matter expert for each brand and then I kind of oversee all of them and those brands, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So you're managing the people across, you're managing four to five people across five or six different brands. Right. So it sounds like you've got a lot, um, you know, how, how in the weeds do you get with each of those people's work? Is it more like you're actively in the work with them or is it kind of like, you know, they come to you with questions, problems, concerns, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I, like I'm in all the meetings I'm in, uh, like I help them from a day-to-day -day standpoint with um, just strategy, kind of a high level. Um, I do work in the platforms as well, just not nearly as much. Um, a lot of it's just QA and making sure everything's running smoothly. Um, if I see a major problem, I'll either uh, fix it and talk to the lead of that that brand, or I'll go to the lead and say, hey, I'm seeing this. Um, can we you know, chat through it? Yeah. Um, so a little bit in the middle. I try to be as hands-off as I can to let them feel empowered, but at the same time, um, there, there, there's a little bit of a requirement of me being in the weeds sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. So how did you uh, sort of come across Starcom? Like, where, where'd you, um, how'd you find out about them? Sure. Uh, well, I've always been familiar. I'm kind of doing what we do with Publicis. And so I have a pretty good pulse on just what their, um, who their agencies are. Um, they kind of came across me. I really didn't know a ton about Starcom at first. Um, and you know how we are on LinkedIn, um, just from some of the conversations we've had. Um, they reached out one day through LinkedIn and wanted to know if I was interested in talking with them. And uh, one thing led to another. I did a little bit of research and found out they were with Publicis, um, which is, you know, one of the bigger media companies in the world. So um, one thing led to another and then here we are. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> a lot easier when they come to you, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> How would you describe uh, sort of the, the work culture there? It's been interesting because I started doing the quarantine. So yeah, I haven't... Yeah in the office or anything. It's just been remote the whole time. But I will say the culture has been um, very different from what I've ever used to in a positive way. Um, they've been very progressive on just subjects that are going on in the world right now. Um, and so I've seen them take a lot of steps even before a lot of the things happen um, in the world right now um, from a political standpoint, from a even racial standpoint. Um, and so it's nice to have a company that, you know, isn't reactive they're proactive yeah. um and i've felt very welcoming so far um i know it's only it's only been a couple of months and i haven't really been in the office so i have a little bit of a skewed view probably um but if i'm feeling this way you know working remotely i would hope it would only be better you know in in an office so it's been it's been good yeah fair enough fair enough well i mean that's good because uh like you said there <laughs> there is i mean it's hard enough starting at a new place as it is and also starting remote can be its, its own sort of bucket of worms um but cool okay so i think we got our sort of intro like i think I, we have a good sense of who you are so what's on your mind today um i said i was going to ask you this what's good with you <laughs> what's good with me um it's it's been crazy i i a lot of things have been going on just with work personal life i'm just trying to 
keep my head above water every day, honestly. Um, so it's just, you know, making sure I have all my ducks in a row, making sure my team's good, making sure, you know, family, friends, you know, checking in. Um, right now I'm in Ohio for a little while. I'll be back down in, in Atlanta in a, in a bit. Um, just kind of been all over for real. What are you doing in Ohio? Uh, well, at some point I have to move to Michigan. So I'm hanging out with some friends up here, just kind of um, seeing what's going on up here from a, you know apartment standpoint and like when I'll have to be here. But the company announced that like we're not required to be in the office until January 21. So it's like, well, <laughs> what, what do you do then? Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I'm kind of just using the time that I have remote to like visit with friends and, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, other than sort of hanging out with friends and that sort of thing, how have you been um, able to sort of cope with, you know, quarantine, everything that's going on? Like, how, how are you taking care of yourself? Uh, well, you know me, I um into, you know, fitness all the time. So um, I'm making sure I get my workouts in every day and um, sorry for the background noise. <laughs> no problem. Um, making sure I get my workouts in every day, making sure I'm, you know, pulling away from work to some degree and not just work and then, you know, sleep is, you know, work, but then still kind of do my normal cadence of things of what I would be doing after five o'clock. Um, and so that's been a huge help um, with just being in the house and, you know, things are starting to open back up a little bit. So that's helpful too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, earlier we talked about, you know, how you sort of came into school thinking psychology, religion, and sort of uh, transformed your way over to marketing, that sort of thing. Uh, can you talk me through a couple of the roles that you've had, uh, especially, you know, when you're first starting straight out of school? Sure. Uh, well, the first role I had wasn't even a marketing role. I, it was a what's called a program representative role. Um, and it was at a university in Indiana while I was helping in with enrollment. Um, but it, the enrollment office was a part of the marketing office. So um, I got to know like the head of you know, marketing for the adult studies for that college super well, chatted every day. Um, and I just kept, you know, in the back of his, tried to stay in the back of his mind as much as I can until a role opened up. And he knew I was working on like schooling as far as marketing is concerned. He knew I'd, I'd already gotten a degree there. So one day he had, uh, he his department expanded and they wanted to bring a lot of things from an agency in-house. Um, and one of the things they brought in is the SEO, SEM coordinator. So search engine marketing. Um, and asked me if I'd be interested in it. And I knew of it, but had never done it before. And he was like, well, we haven't either. So we'll learn together. So I was like, all right, well, let's give it a shot. If that's my way to get into a marketing department. Um, after that, most of my roles are very, you know, paid media oriented across the board. So search, display, um, social, um, with a little bit of SEO. Um, I had a digital content job for a little while um, in between there's, you know, and then got to Nebo and um, did paid media. And now I'm doing programmatic um, holistically. And so I get to work with search and display, but um, now it's just probably 90% programmatic now instead of everything. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, based on what you just said and sort of some of the categories that you've worked in. So, I mean, you've pivoted a couple of times, right? So there's higher education, you know, there's sports agencies, um, I know you've done freelance and, and done your own thing, sort of consulting. And now I think you said with Publicis or with Starcom, you're doing sort of pharmaceuticals. So um, you've built up like a huge sort of really broad range of experience. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, you know, how do you go about uh, sort of weighing um, when it's time for a change? Um, and, you know, when in your, do you have like a gut feeling for, 
you know, when it's time for, to, for a change or when it's time to move or, you know, start looking for jobs or that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think when you say gut feeling, I think that's super important. A lot of times um, when you're kind of doing a little soul searching, how you feel about your work, you know, how you're interacting with your teams, uh, what vertical you're in, a lot of times it's kind of what your end goal is. My end goal has always been to be like a jack of all trades, to be the most well-rounded person out there as far as um, work is concerned. So like the fact that I've done sports, I've done education, now doing pharmaceuticals. Um, at Nebo, I did four or five different, you know, verticals. Yeah my clients so um now there i'm that list is becoming large enough to where there are very few verticals i've done at this point um and so a lot of it's like if i can get as many as i can in one place great um but if i if i feel there's a change or i get bored or whatever you know what can i do without having to leave whatever position i'm in and if and if i can't do that then you think about okay is there time to transition um obviously we don't want to transition too much but that's kind of the marketing game honestly yeah um and so a lot of it's just, you know, feeling like whatever your end goal is kind of going with that. If you want to just stick to being an expert in, you know, sports, stick to sports. If you want to stick to, you know, one other vertical, do that. But if you want to be, you know, a little bit more well-rounded, then you'll have to, you know, change it up every once in a while. Yeah. So for the people who um, are relatively earlier in their career, like me, for example, I've been you know, uh, at Nebo now for two years, right? So I'm by no means a veteran, but I'm not, you know, straight out of school or something like that. So uh, for the people who have, you know, maybe two, three years of experience, um, how, how do you even sort of put together the pieces of what your next step should be? You know what I mean? Um, right. I feel like sometimes, at least for me, it's kind of based on interests, but sometimes it's also, you know, this job is actually available. I should try to, you know, if I need a job, I'm going to go for it. So sure. how do you start to figure out, you know, on a personal level, oh, I think this is next for me. Um, I think the biggest question is what, what's the end goal? Is the end goal to be, you know, the head of paid media, the head of, you know, Intel or whatever it might be. Um, and then you ask yourself, okay, what vertical are you looking for? What's your interest? And then after that, you kind of have like conversations like we're having right now on, okay, who can I go find that's doing that and what did they do? Um, so for instance, for me, if I one day want to be, you know, the head of, you know, a programmatic department for pharmaceuticals, I'm now on that path to get there. Right. Um, now that's not necessarily my end goal, but where I'm at right now gets me to where my end goal is in a different way because um, programmatic is my passion, um, as you as you know. So my next step was, okay, what can I do to enhance that skill? Um, just because I do like search and social, but if I'm wanting to go down the programmatic route, I have to get programmatic roles. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is like, are you, is it the vertical your goal or is the skill set your goal? Um, some people, they have a certain region in the country is the goal. Like, they don't care what they're doing. Um, a lot of it is that end goal and, okay, then I need to find people who are going to help guide me down that path. Um, previous conversations we've had, I'm just like having a mentor, like that's huge. Mm. Um, just because you're like, okay, like, what did that person do? And how do I follow a similar path that is mine, but not necessarily like so different from, you know, whatever the people have done. Um, and, but there are times where, and I think a lot of people, especially who are on the younger side, don't understand sometimes, sometimes you have to do a couple jobs you're not really a big fan of, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you absolutely. Get, right. You got to get your foot in the door. Um, like I know a lot of people who they want to be in sports marketing, which is super popular, um, but they're not willing to go be a, you know, low level, you know, paid media associate, 
you know, at a small agency who has a sports team. Like sometimes that's just, it is what it is, but that's how you get that exposure. So it's just, a lot of it's just depending on the end goal. Okay. No, I think that makes sense. And you mentioned mentors earlier and we're going to come back to that in a second, but given your answer just now on sort of how you decide, you know, your next step or your next couple steps, even um, knowing where you are now um, and what your life looks like and sort of, you know, all everything that goes into that. Um, would you have, would you go, if you had a chance to go back, would you change any of the jobs that you've taken or titles or places or, you know, any of those kinds of decisions? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, like even in my personal life, I'm big on like, you don't make a bad decision. You make a decision, you make it right. Um, and so like, I try not to have any regrets. Like my, all of the jobs I've ever done have led me to where I'm at now and will eventually lead me to wherever I'm going to end up. Um, hopefully that's in a place I want to be. Um, so like everything that I've done so far, I've learned something from whether it be have been a negative job or negative experience, negative boss, whatever it might be, um, that's kind of shaped me to who I am as a person, personally and professionally. So I don't usually have any kind of like, oh, I would, if I could go back, I'd never do that job. Well, that job taught me something that I'm learning right now. Um, and as you're aware, I've had some jobs where the boss wasn't the best or the role wasn't the best, but I would, I'll even say right now, even in my current role, I'm using several of those things, those bad experiences right now. Um, like for an example, uh, having a bad supervisor, now that I am a supervisor, I take some of those memories and go, okay, don't do that. Yeah. And that helps my job tremendously. So um, no, I don't have any jobs that I would, I would go the same thing. There may be some tweaks like within those jobs, but nothing, I wouldn't take away anything that I've ever done. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to look at it. And you said in there, um, what'd you say? It was just a bad experience. There is no bad experience, only the experience you have. Yeah, there's no, I try to have this, like a, almost like a mantra of, um, you don't make a bad decision, you make a decision, you make it right. Yeah, okay. And I think along the same line, something that you kind of just said too, was there's no negative experience, you know, Um, and you can use those experiences, even if they aren't, you know, what you want, or if they weren't as positive as you would have liked to make something better in the future, right? Um, So you mentioned mentors earlier. And I wanted to ask, like, you know, have you had uh, mentors throughout your career? Um, and if so, how'd you find them? And, you know, how did that relationship come about? Right. The, the mentor I have right now, he was actually my marketing professor at the school I went to. Okay. Um, he leads all of the, um, like, he's the person who accepts the marketing students and um, things like that. And we kind of just stay connected after I graduated. Um, and now, and what's interesting is that he actually doesn't know a whole lot about digital. Like, he's strictly, like, print um and television and so like we kind of teach each other things but he he's a genius when it comes down to just basic marketing principles like just the mindset behind it um and then he'll come to me with questions on just digital and social and you know those kind of things he's a little bit older um and so that's who i go to for all of my um really just questions on how to get to where i want to be um right now he's just doing uh just a professor but he's done basically everything you can other than digital and marketing so um so it's just somebody i was connected to in school mm-hmm. um just to be um just to have a mentor um other than that i don't have any other ones that, i mean i have certain people i talk to um on a daily basis when i met I, as you know when i met rashidi i'd pick his brain all the time even still yeah. um we talked just recently so um and he's also a, a genius as well um so a lot of it's just like taking advantage of when you have like for instance, for instance Rashidi like I didn't know who he was before he got to Nebo 
And but once I was able to see, oh, he's he knows what he's talking about. Take advantage of the fact that you sit 20 feet away. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to go find somebody like who's some Fortune 500. No, that, there's some people who live down the street that you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just take advantage of the people who you may not already know. You might just haven't picked their brain yet. Yeah, well, literally, I was going to ask you, like, what advice would you give to junior level people who are <laughs> looking for a mentor? I think you, you doubled up and answered that one, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Is it, you know, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's necessarily a set of criteria that you have to look for in a mentor. I think it's just, um, first of all, they have to be willing, you know, to answer your questions and sit down with you and sort of let you pick their brain and that sort of thing. But um, I think the other part of it is also, you know, just being eager and willing to learn and um, admitting when you don't know things. And yeah. that's kind of vulnerable, but you know, telling them somebody, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. How'd you do it? And th- that sort of thing. So I get that, that makes a lot of sense for me. Um, you know, have there been any, um, you know, major obstacles you've had to overcome as you've been sort of moving around in your career and, um, and in life in general? Um, I, I would say the biggest obstacle especially in the marketing world there's a lot of marketing people aren't going to take you seriously if they feel like you haven't had the experience before um so um and i'm sure you've experienced this already too it's like hey i want to do this job and but it requires five years of experience at marketing but i don't have experience in marketing so how do you get in how do you break into those kinds of things um so then it comes down to, okay, so who do I know that I can get that kind of in? Because a lot of marketing, people don't want to admit it, but a lot of times some of the people who get get a job over you or you might get one over them, a lot of times it was just who you knew, you know? Um, and that was something I wish I had learned in year one and two instead of, you know, now year seven and eight. Because um, a lot of times it's like, now I'm in a position where it's like, okay, I get college students who will reach out to me from my college saying, hey, how do I do this? And now I'm just like, I send them down their way and all of a sudden I'm getting an email saying they got a job and they have zero experience. It's just a matter of like having people in your back pocket that you can kind of pick their brain going back to the mentorship um, conversation. So I think that's been the, that was the biggest hurdle of like, you want to do something to get experience, but you need experience to get experience. Um, (laughs) Then you rely on, okay, what's the next step? Who do I know who can vouch for, you know, me being, um, like my worth ethic or like I'm super intelligent, whatever it might be, those those soft skills that you can't really put a number to. Um so I think that probably is the biggest thing. And then obviously we've had this conversation in the world right now of just when see people see a name on a resident that might be ethnic, they're like, well, I don't know. Um so that's kind of I've we've kind of broken that barrier a little bit in marketing. I think marketing is one of the areas where it's like you can kind of sift through that a little bit better. It's not like your accountants or your you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I, that's probably a second tier um, struggle we've had, or I've had at least. Um, I think the first one is having to get experience to get experience. I think that's probably been my biggest hurdle. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to double back on the second thing you just said there, yeah. um, but I'll preface it. So uh, you mentioned ethnic sounding names and that sort of thing. So for the longest time, and I mean, you know, high school, undergrad, um, I would put on my resume, Jay Goodwin, instead of my mm-hmm. real name, Jacor, just because right. I was like, look, I'm already playing with a, you know, a bad hand, <laughs> it's a, a, a stacked deck, right? So like, let me just put Jay, they, they don't know who that could be. I could, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I, I, at a certain point, I decided 
you know what? Nah, fuck that. Like I'm a, I'm a put your core. And I mean, that's who I am. And you just sort of have to embrace it. And um, so with that preface, um, I wanted to ask, you know, what has been sort of your experience navigating your career in communications um, as a black man? Um, It's been interesting. Um, And I'm sure that's probably the same answer for most people um, who are people of color that are in our um, field. Um, Kind of what you were saying just a minute ago about your name. um, No way, no way, shape or form, how you spell it, how you break it up. Zeldrick is Zeldrick. Like, (laughs) you know, um, you could put Zell, but that's still, you know, you can tell what you can narrow down of, you know, what I am. I think it's the Z. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just the Z. Um, And honestly, it's, like if my name was Zach, that'd be a little different. But um, with Zell or Zeldrick, it just is what it is. Um, but as far as being like in an office or having the jobs, like after you get past that, um, my experience has been um, pretty hit or miss. Like I've had more good experiences than bad, honestly. Um, but like I said, marketing and communications is that one area where like it kind of it breeds different. You know, um, it's almost like like art. You want people who are different. Like you don't want just the same, you know, person. Yeah. Uh, marketing is kind of the same way. Like you want different ideas. Now I've ran into like different situations where racial things have happened, but I don't think it was necessarily because of the field itself. It was just a matter of like you know those one or two people you're going to come across every place you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience hasn't been as bad as some other you know fields you might be in, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just to, I wanted to double back on something too. Um, we talked earlier about, you know, figuring out or, you know, taking the steps to chart your path. And so I just wanted to pose this to you. Um, have you worked out, you know, um, what's next for you, you know, um, as far as, you know, ideal position, you know, job description, place to work, that sort of thing. Uh, what's next for me? I, and this is something I've learned in the last probably couple of months, um, just from my mentor. Um, my mentor approached me and he was like, Hey, like, I see you have like gotten all these positions and they all are cool. What do you want to do though? And for me, I'm like, well, I'm doing what I want to do. He was like, but are you, are you, are you really doing what you want to do? Or are you doing what you have to do? Like there's a difference in doing your passion and paying bills. <laughs> like, are you yeah. just paying bills right now? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't, you know, I really have a choice in that. And he was like, well, he's like, I want you to shoot me an email. If you could have any position that you wanted, like within your years of experience at this point. So I can't obviously be a VP of anything at this point. Um, I mean, you could. Well, I mean, I, I mean, could, but it'd have to be at a smaller place. I couldn't go be, you know, VP of marketing at Nike like that. That's just not feasible. Um, he was like, name me three places that you want to be. And I was, he was like, I want them to be serious places. And I was just like, honestly, I would love to be, a programmatic analyst um, at either Apple, Amazon, or Nike. I would love that. Um, and he was just like, okay, moving forward, unlo- you should apply for those jobs and don't move where you are unless you have to. Don't move where you are until you get to one of those three places. And I'm like, hey, like <laughs> those three places I just named are top of the two, like three of the top companies in the world, not just yeah. here. Um, he was just like, yeah, but what you're doing right now is, that mindset that you have in your head, that's why you're not getting them. It's a, it's the whole, like, you aren't applying for those jobs because you know however many thousands of people who look just like you who are who have just as much experience and more applying for them. So that your chances of getting them are now zero. If you go for them, they're at least 1%, you know? Um, so you've now all, all of a sudden, you know, went from 1% to 2%. You've now doubled your chances. So 
he's so that honestly my next step is I'm my hope is to not have to move where I'm at from a company standpoint until I get to one of those dream places um, whether it be Apple Nike or a sports team just because I do have a passion for sports as well um, so that's those are my goals and they're lofty but like for me I'm like hey I've, I've gotten this far why not keep going yeah I mean there it goes they kind of have to be right right exactly. so uh, what is Zeldrick's dream sport team to work for you mentioned Apple Nike Amazon as far as companies what's your What's your dream sports team? Dream sports team. I, to be honest, I don't know that I have a dream sports team only because I would love just to be on a sports, like a, the front office roster, honestly. Um, part of that is because I'm from Alabama. So like we didn't have like a pro team. And so like I never grew up. I mean, obviously Atlanta was there and then like some of the teams in Tennessee, you know, I'm New Orleans, the Florida teams. But like if some random team in Milwaukee called and was like, Hey, come lead our programmatic team moving to Milwaukee. Like it is what it is. So I don't know. I think it's more of like whatever pro team called it would, I would judge it based on what the role is versus who they are. Um, just because, and a lot of people don't understand this. Like, like let's say for the NBA, if I became a programmatic analyst or led a programmatic team for uh, let's say the Atlanta Hawks, that group of people within the NBA is so tight knit that if my favorite team was the Lakers, I'll get there eventually, you know, um, just because a lot of people, um, and this is the same for really a lot of roles. Like if I'm working for an NBA team in Atlanta, if someone else needs a, someone else in the NBA needs my role or the next role up, they're going to search other teams for who has that and try to poach them. So like, that's the goal. <laughs> the goal is for people to call you, not you have to call them. So, Absolutely. Uh, so I don't really have a favorite team. It's just, let's just, get there and then we'll go from there we'll i'll grow to have a favorite team eventually so yeah fair enough your favorite team is gonna be the one who pays you right exactly <laughs> cool so uh okay well let's uh you know shift a little bit and talk more about like what you do every day um sure. you know as a programmatic manager at starcom um so you know generally what are some of the types of projects that you've been working on lately um, the biggest project I've been working on is, um, like I said, I'm working, uh, my client is pharmaceutical. So um, they are super busy right now, given the, the COVID, you know, stuff. Um, everybody still needs their prescriptions. So our work has not slowed down. Um, one of the biggest things I'm working on right now is a, we've been working on a PSA for um, COVID-19. So basically just saying that, hey, um, our company is behind you. We're still here. Um, we're still working. Um, and so my team is working on promoting that programmatically. Um, and so that's been the biggest, um, project I've been working on right now, honestly. So, uh, as someone who has a very limited knowledge of programmatic and that sort of thing, um, how, how does your team, you know, support, you know, whatever the overarching sort of campaign is like, uh, you know, how does the PSA come to life for the programmatic department? Sure. So from a programmatic standpoint, what our job is, is we are the tool, we are the arm of the marketing team, the digital marketing team that promotes the most awareness, the most effective way. Okay. Um, so you have your paid social, you have your paid search, um, you have, you know, some of your display and those are all action oriented, you know, areas of digital marketing. Programmatic is as well, but we have such a bigger reach than those places. Cause a lot of times like you have your Facebook audiences, well, they're only attached to what Facebook owns. Um, but programmatically, basically everybody is in our bucket if we want them to be. Um, so our goal is to build a, as much of awareness 
get as much eyeballs on our ads as much as possible within a targeted audience. Um, so we are the, hey, we are here arm of digital marketing. And then everybody else is, hey, now that you know we're here, take this action, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay, so what are some of the steps um, that you and you know your, the programmatic uh, people kind of that work under you, uh, what are some of the steps you all take when you're sort of charting out um, the most effective way to reach you know your goals as far as programmatic go? Sure. The I the first and most important step, at least in my opinion, this answer is going to be different for everybody, but for me, it's the the right target audience, and that's where the psychology part of my background comes in. Is like, okay, why do people do what they do? How do people react when they see? It goes down to how do people when they react when they see, you know, a ad that has a red background versus a blue. Like people don't think about those things, but all those things are important, you know, when you want to, when you're wanting to enact an actual emotion of some sort. Um, so our biggest thing is, okay, who are we going after? And once we narrow down who is in that bubble, we don't venture outside of that bubble just because we're just, you, then you start throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Um, so the biggest thing is who are we going after? Okay. Now that we've determined that, how do we want to go after them? Um, where are they um, digitally? Like our, are they hanging out in Google all the time? Are they on sports sites? Are they on fitness sites? Like what, like how do we, how do we meet them where they are versus having to come to us? Right. Um, and once we get to that point now, then it comes down to the whole like, okay, so is our website, you know, where it needs to be is, you know, the creative assets. I mean, you know, all of those parts, um, how to match those with, you know, what we need. But the biggest part is that target audience and how do we get to them? Okay. So uh, you're working on this campaign um, and this can be more broad. You don't have to talk specifically about the campaign, but um, you know, what are some of the key deliverables um, that, you know, you work on as a programmatic manager? Um, um, the, well, oh, go ahead. That, well, I was going to say uh, for context, I was thinking like, you know, as a strategist, our sort of domain is briefs, right? And mm -hmm. research. And so I would say, most of my deliverables or anything I do kind of falls into one of those buckets loosely. Um, there's a gigantic other bucket with just, just other <laughs> sort of helping everybody else and being the glue. But I think, you know, the two big domains are research and then brief writing. Right. So I'm just wondering sort of, you know, what are um, some of those big key things that you work on um, in the programmatic department? So for me specifically, my, my key deliverables are basically everything um, just because I'm managing each person who's managing a brand. Mm -hmm. um, so if they do a brief, I'm QAing it. If they do, you know, a presentation, I'm QAing it as well. Right. Um, but outside of what they're doing, my biggest thing that like my boss is looking at for me is like, okay, like let's say we have monthly reporting. Um, once I'm QAing the monthly report, sending it back to them, making edits and it's finally finished, I'm taking it to my boss and combining it each brand and saying, Hey, this is how, the pharma team is doing as a whole. Um, so kind of like what you said, kind of what more of like a, um, the reports, briefs, and then I have a big other bucket too. Yeah. Uh, so it's very similar to what you're doing right now. Okay, cool. So um, when you are, and this can be you personally, um, or you know something that you tell uh, your team members, but uh, sort of what is your philosophy for doing good work? And by that, I mean, sort of, you know, when do you know something is good enough? Like, do you have a sort of mental framework for, you know, saying, okay, this is good enough, this can go out, or I can pass this up the chain? Um, the biggest thing for me is 
I make sure that I go over it at least three times. Um, let's say something today is Monday. Let's say something's due on Wednesday and I finished it today. Well, I went over it right after I finished it. Okay. So tomorrow I want to look over it again in the at the beginning of the day. And then on the end of, at the end of that day, go over it again. Um, my goal is to make sure that I don't find any of my own mistakes because when you're, when you're, let's say you're typing up a brief, you know what it's supposed to say. So your brain's automatically going to program your eyes to see what it's supposed to say. Yeah. Um, so after that third time, I send it to somebody else, somebody random on my team, above me, below me, whoever it might be. And I say, Hey, read this, make sure that I'm reading it correctly. Um, and make sure it sounds good and, and all that fun stuff. Um, I think where people miss the boat, um, a lot of times when they're doing good work and they're QAing themselves is they try to rush through it. A lot of times it's take a step back, go away for an hour, you know, come back, regroup, make sure it's good. The second part to that. So that's quality. Um, as far as like, you know, just being professional. Um, the other part of that is I tell myself, okay, if someone below me sent this to me, how would I feel about it? If I, if I say anything other than great, then I have to keep working. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, now, obviously you're going to have a little bit of a bias because you did it. Um, but once you get into the role of supervising other people, you see so much of other people's work, you go, okay, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this for X amount of reasons. Then I go to them and explain it. I have to tell myself, okay, is my boss going to respond the same? And if so, I have to go back to the drawing board. Um, some of that is a little bit of opinion. Um, but there are just some things where it's pretty black and white. Is this or it's not. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me is, will my, will my boss appreciate this? Will, will she or he look back and say that was great work. And if I have to question that at all, then I have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of it is sort of, um, one anticipation and two sort of being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Right. Exactly. Um, so what, uh, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see, you know, junior, uh, sort of entry-level people make when you are reviewing work? Um, the biggest mistake that I make is, or that I see people make, is not following or getting through all of the direction. Um, so like if I send somebody saying, hey, I need this, this is what I need out of it, this is when I need it, nine times out of 10, I'm gonna get something, and it'll be, it could be great, but I'll then pull back up what I said I needed and something will be missing. And it's just a matter of, they were so worried about getting it done fast that the quality is not there. Um, and for me, I'm like, hey, if, and I had to learn this even at Nebo, honestly, I had to learn this with Kelly. She would always come to me and was like, hey, this is good, but it could be ex ex exponentially better if you just take another day and do it. Like what you just sent, it will work. But I wanna know, did you do it quickly or did you do it efficiently, which are very different. Um, so a lot of times if I, if I tell one of the people who work under me, say, Hey, I need this by Wednesday. And let's say today's Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell them, Hey, please come to me. If you need, if you, if you to do great work, if you need till Thursday, because then I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it is I have to do to make that happen. Yeah. Especially if it's going to be better in the end. Um, it's, and then I know also like, if I said, Hey, on a Monday, I need this by Friday and I got it on Tuesday. I'm like, <laughs> there's something wrong. Like, yeah, there's like, unless you just didn't have enough to do, which that's not the case. So, um, and sometimes it's been like, Hey, they, they were so passionate about that project that they wanted to do it first and they it worked out. It was great. Um, but the biggest thing is people trying to rush through it. And I'm saying that one, because of what I've seen, but two, what I also struggle with too. So. Yeah. 
Um, well, you mentioned earlier that you manage, I think you said four to five people across five or six brands, right? So, um, and I know you said that you, you try to be as hands-off as possible. Um, how would someone who works under you uh, describe your management style? Um, I've actually had this question, uh, well, this answer told to me in the last week, um, just because <laughs> we, kind of, we have like a little bit of review, right? Yeah. Um, so the common goal or the common answer I got was that I'm apparently very chill, which if you know me, that's my personality anyway. Um, but like someone will come to me and say, hey, like the example they gave me was like, hey, I came to you and I said, hey, I did this. Like, and it was a pretty big mess up. And I was just like, okay, well, how did you fix it? Well, I haven't yet. Okay, well then go back and fix it and then we can talk about it. They came back, they fixed it. I was just like, okay, so do you think you fix it in an effective way? They're like, yeah. Um, is it resolved like as much as it can be? She was like, yeah. And I was just like, okay, what'd you learn from that? X, Y, and Z. Okay, then we move on. And she was like, am I not in trouble? I'm like, why? Mistakes happen. I'm going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes already, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's been, I try to be as chill and as like, hey, like we are a team. If, if you mess up, we all mess up. And if you do well, um, we all do well, but I will recognize you specifically too. Um, I think the only, the biggest negative I've gotten so far is that sometimes I'm a little too laid back. Like there are some people who need a little bit more handholding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not like, that's not how I like to be managed just to be like above my shoulder. Um, and so I'm learning that for me, I need to make sure, um, one of the biggest things is making sure I manage everybody equally, but different, which to some people sounds crazy, but I know me and you've had this conversation before. like. I like equally as far as like how I treat everybody, but I still treat you differently, just not higher or lower, you know? Yeah. Well, everybody has, you know, different personality styles and that sort of thing. But so I I get what you're saying with different, but um, to that point, um, you know, something I wanted to ask you is, you know, how uh, personally have you sort of, uh, you know, dealt with or adjusted to um, the shift to management, you know? What have you learned about yourself going from being managed to now managing other people? Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that I actually, a lot of it I enjoyed. I, I, there's a lot of things about both that I enjoy. At first I thought it was just like, all right, I need to get to a place where I'm managing people where I'm having to, I'm able to work more holistically and not in the weeds all the time, but still able to. Um, the biggest thing that I've learned about me is that I, like, you know me, you've known me for a while. Like, I love being analytical and kind of diving in deep. Um, but I've had to be so kind of like looking at it from a thousand foot view lately um, that I actually like that more than I thought I would. Um, because now I'm able to see, oh, these are how these things go together that I didn't know it before. Um, so like going back to Kelly from Nebo, it's like she's able to say, okay, this is what he's doing. This is what she's doing. This is how these are all coming together. And now I'm able to see that view. Um, so kind of learning like, oh, I have a skill set that I didn't know because I never had to tap into it. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like I'm being challenged in a very different way that I've never had to do. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times you don't know if you have a skill set in a certain area or in a certain way until you're forced to use it. Um, so almost like a, you're either gonna sink or swim kind of thing. Um, and that, but that goes back to, are you really sinking or are you just using that as an opportunity to learn something new, really? Mm. But that's the thing I've learned the most is that there's other skill sets that I may have that I just haven't had to use yet. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are um, some of the skills that you look for when you interview people? 
Um, one of the biggest skills I look for when I'm interviewing someone is um, how critically can you think? Like, is it going to be a situation where I am having to answer the question for you? Are you going to come to me with, with problems or solutions to set problems? Mm. Um, and so sometimes I'll ask a question of, you know, what's one problem you had to face, you know, in work? And my hope is that when you tell me that problem, you'll also tell me the solution without me having to ask. Yeah, fair enough. That's what I want. Yeah, like those uh, sounds like one of those, um, I think they're called star questions. Basically. <laughs> um, it's terrible because I can't remember uh, the acronym. I can't remember the words. Uh, yeah, I don't remember either. And I honestly, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan of star just because they're like cookie cutter. Like mm. everybody can give the same answer. Um, but it's very much like a, like, cause a, one example of a star question is like, tell me about a time that you solved a problem, you know, like, um, so I, it's kind of that way, but it's more of like, I want you to, like, I don't want to just hear like how you solved it, or I don't want to hear the problem. I want to hear how you solved it. Yeah. Um, and so the, and then obviously with our work, it, a lot of it's, you know, are you creative attention to detail all those fun things? I mean, you understand. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is, is can you think for yourself? You know, like I'm a lot of people are, they can, but they're afraid to saying the wrong thing. Like I'm very much a person where like, Hey, come into this interview. I need you to be like, if I'm interviewing Jay, I need you to be Jay. Don't be his representative <laughs> because ultimately I'm going to get the real him every day. Yeah. So I want to know who that is from the start. So, and that's how I am in interviews. I mean, you know, I'm just like, Hey, it's me. You either like me. You don't. So um, that's how, that's usually what I look for. Yeah. So aside from, you know, being yourself, um, showing your sort of critical thinking process. Um, what could a student um, listening to this episode do um, to make themselves a stronger applicant? What can they do to make themselves a stronger applicant? I think the biggest thing um, is making sure when you, the first step is like for me, the first thing I'm going to see is the paperwork. So I'm going to see what you've done. Mm. Um, a lot of people now, even including myself at times in the past, I'll put everything I've done on a resume, but ultimately everything I've done has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. You know, um, like right now, um, if you go look at my resume, there are two or three jobs that aren't on it because they have nothing to do with programmatic. So what do I need them for? Fair enough. Um, or if they have anything to do, if they're related in some way. So like, for instance, like obviously my paid me the job at Neva, very much related. Um, but my internship with the Hawks isn't related. Like I, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, that can be something that will be brought up in an interview. Um, and so now, but like when we get to the interview process, whatever that might just be yourself. Um, if you've made it that far, you've made some sort of impression. Um, but as far as intangible things that you can do when you're sending in an app, a lot of times it's just find the most relevant um, information you can for that job. And I would encourage people to apply for as many jobs as you want. Just make sure they're there. They fit what you want and what you've done already. I think that's the biggest hurdle that people, especially in the marketing community, they, they try to do. Like we get so many apps a day just from people saying, Oh, I worked as an intern at a marketing company working on flyers. Well, that doesn't do anything for programmatic. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Like that's great. You know, whatever. Um, but we have a print team. That's who you should be applying for, you know? Mm. Um, so just making sure that not even that you're qualified because you can be, you can have as many years as you want to, but that doesn't mean that you're qualified to do the job. I mean, just making sure you um, have a correct resume and 
um, just keeping it as up, up to date as possible. Yeah, fair enough. And so kind of on the flip side, uh, have there been any examples of like really great questions um, that uh, people have asked you when you're interviewing them? Um, one of the biggest, one of the greatest questions I've ever been asked um, when I've interviewed somebody was, uh, so honestly, you're going into an interview, like, so let's say, Jay, I'm interviewing Jay. Your goal is to come in to quote unquote impress us about yourself. Um, well, the example would be like if Jay then looked at Zeldrick and go, well, what do you get? What can you guys do for me? And like, I kind of was taken back. I was like, I've never been asked that before. And, and the, the young lady was like, I mean that in the sense of like, I'm coming, I'm here trying to fill this role to help a need of yours. But at the same time, I'm trying to get the best experiences I can. I'm working for this team in this company. How do you provide that? And I'm like, that's a great question. Like, and that, that also told me that she was confident enough in herself. Yeah, absolutely. So she was, yeah, she was trying to impress us, but she wanted to be impressed too. And ultimately it's like, you're coming in to fill our need. Um, and a lot of people look at it as, oh, they don't need me. Um, I need them. Well, we wouldn't be interviewing if we didn't need something. So, <laughs> um, and so I thought that was like a great question because I was like, you have to be extremely confident to be able to go into an interview and say, Hey, what can you guys do for me? Like, this isn't a one way street. Yeah. You're going to help me pay my bills, but I'm going to help y'all pay some bills too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now I'm not saying go in there, act like you're just, you know, whatever, but be confident. Just say, Hey, like, this is a, a mutual beneficial relationship, not just the one way. Um, so I think that was probably, I know that question wasn't super deep, but like that was probably one of the best questions I've ever heard in the sense of like, she knew that it was two way street. So she wanted to know how this company helps her just like she can help um, them. Yeah. It might not have been, you know, particularly deep if you just look at the words themselves, but I mean, you're right. It does tell you a lot about, um, her thought process, clearly she's thought about, you know, how reciprocal the exchange of work is. Um, right. And it also tells you she's confident and that probably means she'll, she's willing to, you know, um, speak up when she sees something wrong or speak up sure. when, you know, things could be better in some way. So that just tells you a lot about uh, who they are as a person too. So um, sure. before every episode of Pay It Forward, I asked, um, you know, guess what they're reading a challenge they're facing, something they're proud of, and a piece of advice. Uh, so, cool. Seldrick, what are you reading now, and uh, what has it inspired in you? I assume this is reading whatever, not just marketing-related? Yeah, whatever. Okay, cool. So, what I'm reading right now is a little bit abstract, um, but honestly, I apply it to work every day. And um, honestly, it's the Hunger Games series. I'm reading that right now because um, I just came out with the fourth book. Um, and I don't know how much you know about the Hunger Games series, but you know the premise. Um, and like the whole premise of the book, I apply to work and to life right now, just because right now it's just, it's not a like all, you know, you know, have to be all about yourself or like you're the only one in the fight. But a lot of times you have to have that mentality is like, nobody's going to just give me anything. Um, sometimes you have to go out and take it and marketing is very much that. Um, and so a lot of it is, hey, like, even if I'm on an island or only have a couple of people behind me, like I am powerful enough in whatever way that that's enough, you know, um, that I can make some sort of impact regardless of if I've got anybody behind me or not, that impact I'm going to make on my own is going to 
galvanize people to be behind me eventually. Um, and that's what I take from that. And, and I just enjoy reading it. So that's what I'm reading right now. And it definitely, um, I'm taking a lot of like personal growth from just reading that. And that's, I don't even know if that that's intended for that. I think it's just leisure fun reading. Um, but I think anytime you read anything, you're supposed to take something from it. So. Yeah. You're supposed to take something from it. You're supposed to interpret it, you know, however you interpret it. Yeah, for sure. So what is a challenge um, for you right now? Um, the biggest challenge for me right now is just making sure I'm staying on top of like right now I'm working in just programmatic, um, but making sure I'm staying on top of things like uh, search display, um, social, um, making sure I'm, you know, still honing my skill in those areas. Um, and that's kind of where freelance comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still working a little bit on that. Not as much just because my job is a little different now. Um, but just making sure I'm still reading on some of the publications of um, like pay search and social to stay on top of the trends and what's going on that way. If I need to speak to that at any point in time, um, I can, but sometimes it's a challenge because like, you know, by the time five, five thirty hits and you've worked all day, you're not wanting to go and be like, all right, what happened in the social world today? But yeah. you just, have to, you have to learn to enjoy it and then it'll become, you know, easier. Do you have like certain times of the day um, where you specifically sit down and say, Hey, I'm going to just see what's going on with display or whatever it is, or is it kind of, you know, when you have, you know, 20 minutes of downtime, let me, let me see what's going on. A lot of it is like a lot of people sit around at night and like, um, after they've had dinner, you know, all that fun stuff, they'll like pop in a movie or watch. Well, it was sports, but you know how it's been lately. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times if you're just doing things that are like brainless, like pull up your phone and see what happened on search engine land today, you know, um, you need an article too. I mean, a lot of times the things that you're reading, like, um, like those publications on marketing land and all those, like those articles are 20, like you could get three or four in, in a matter of like 10 minutes, honestly. Um, and so it's not hard. It's just, you know, like you said, if I have like a 20 minute break or whatever it might be, like just chime in, even if it's just before bed, like I know some people who they're like, all right, I've got to read two or three articles on these subjects before I sleep, you know? Um, and that works for them. Um, and I think that's a great way to do it. So a lot of times it's just whenever you do have downtime where you you have that time to, whether you're watching TV or whatever, just pop up your phone and it's like, all right, you know, search engine or search marketing trends, you know, June, 2020, get you an article in, go to bed, <laughs> you know, um, doesn't take much. It's just the effort, honestly. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, what's something that you're really proud of right now? Um, I am really proud of getting to the place I am right now at the age I am right now. Um, what I'm doing right now, um, even from a um, educational standpoint, from a racial standpoint, all those, like I have a lot of things going against being able to be where I'm at right now. Um, but I'm leading a programmatic team, um, for a very large company that spends a lot of money. Um, and I'm doing that at 31, almost 32. And all of my peers are in their late thirties, early forties. Um, so that's something I'm really proud about. I know some people are like, yeah, whatever, but I'm like, Hey, like, I'm supposed to be here right now. So um, I'm from a small college, nobody's named, uh, um, you know, African-Americans are like, people are just like, um, there's a certain stigma tied to that. And I'm like, no, I'm doing what I need to do right here. So I'm proud for you. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, what's, uh, what's a piece of advice you would give to black students uh, who listen to your episode um, and they're starting, you know, to look for jobs and, and that sort of thing. Um, the biggest advice I would, the two, two parts. One is use the people you know. They are there for you. At least if, you, if they're the right people, use them. Um, like, for instance, anybody listening to this, 
because um, you give the information on us, correct? Yeah. Um, I listen to this, give me a, shoot me an email, shoot me a LinkedIn message, whatever it might be, get a hold of me and let's have a conversation. Um, use the people that are there for you to help um, in whatever way they might be, just because um, a lot of times it's, I may not know the direct person you know, but everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. So um, use the people you know too. Don't think just because you might be from a small place, you might not have enough experience, you might, you're, you know, African-American, a person of color, whatever that be, that that limits you. Um, go for whatever it is you wanna go for. Just be open to doing something that may not be exactly what it is first. Um, that'll show a lot of people a lot of things about you as how you wanna work and how badly you want that goal. So mm -hmm. don't close yourself off to a certain role that you may not, may not be at the top of your list, but it might get you where you wanna be. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. Well, uh, last question, really. Um, something that I've sort of been continually dealing with, and we've talked about this before, but, um, and especially in the, the job that I have now is that um, I'm always feeling like I don't know enough really about anything, right? And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me um, from other people, but really mostly just internal pressure on, you know, trying to learn everything and be everything and it, that's just a, that's a battle you're never going to win right and i constantly have to tell myself you know kind of relax like you know take it in bite-sized chunks figure out what's most important for you to learn and then go learn as much as you can about it right um so have you ever dealt with something like that um and if so you know what were some of the ways that you kind of um reckoned with it you mean like have i ever dealt with trying to learn everything but yeah, I, I think really what it boils down to, and part of the problem is I still haven't found a good way to articulate it. Um, I think what it boils down to is sort of imposter syndrome. And okay. I feel like, and this is just me personally talking, but you know, I'm a strategist, right? And there's all sorts of connotations that go along with that word. And, okay. you know, I look around and I'm the youngest strategist on a team and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I feel like, I don't have as many answers as I should have. Now, some of that is experience right. and education, but a lot of it's just contextual. There's always new problems. Okay. Um, and part, and so I just, I, I struggle a lot with being okay with not knowing everything and feeling like if I don't know something, that's a mark on me as a person, okay. as, yeah. as an employee, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing with that is I've learned to be comfortable with saying, I don't know. Um, like for me, I tell my boss this all the time. I'm never going to know everything that you want me to know. I'm never going to be able to answer every single question, but I will be one of the best people that you have. That'll go find it for you. Yeah. That's what, that's what you need. You don't need me to know everything you need me. You need me to get you an answer, regardless if I got it from my own knowledge or not. <laughs> and so I tell people, Hey, be, don't stop trying to be good at knowing everything. Be good at finding out everything just because you're not going to know everything. That's the whole purpose of a team. So if I don't know something, I can go to Jay and say, Hey, do you know this? Yeah, this is what this is about. Okay, cool. My boss wants to know, I'm going to let her know. And, you know, always do your due diligence on, Hey, I got this from person X, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, just because sometimes I can come back and bite you. But um, I tell people, I tell costumes all the time, Hey, stop trying to know everything, learn how to find out everything. There's a difference. Yeah. yeah I, I'm a Stop trying to know everything and start um, learning how to find out everything. That might find be it. your episode uh, title. 
Um, Let's do it. <laughs> I'm thinking either that or something like solutions, not problems. Um, exactly. But awesome. So where can people find you online? Where's the best place to get in touch with you? Um, best place to get in touch with me from a professional standpoint is LinkedIn um, or an email, honestly. But um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. I mean, you type in Zeldrick, you're going to find me. It's not hard. <laughs> um, really, honestly, if you type in Zeldrick anywhere, I'm going to come up. Um, I'm on all major social media platforms, except Twitter for some reason. I'm not a big, just don't, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. You know, um, dove into the world of TikTok recently, so that was kind of fun. Um, but really, it's um, LinkedIn. Um, shoot me a message. I, I don't, I generally accept most people um, just because you never know who you're going to connect with. Um, so shoot me a message or, or find me there and I will connect, shoot me a message or email, honestly. Um, those are, I check my email all day, every day. So. Gotcha. Did I leave anything out today? Um, I don't think so. I think that was all. Cool. Uh, well, that is a wrap uh, for this episode of Pay It Forward. Uh, so Zeldrick, thank you again for joining me. Um, you probably got other stuff to get to, but, uh, you know, have a great rest of your day. And to anyone listening, you know, please rate, review, like, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, um, you know, wherever you listen to them. And uh, you can find more info on Zeldrick's episode at Paid Forward Podcast on all social channels. But that is forward is FWD. So I feel like I had to put that as a disclaimer. Um, somebody stole my social channels a while back, but uh, it is at pay it FWD podcast on all social channels. Um, thank you so much. And Zeldrick, uh, we'll talk soon. I have a good one.